I'm also going to warn you guys that my entire folder of notes, uh, my puppy dog ate. Oh, then sure. scattered across the house sure. along with a roll of toilet paper. So we're just gonna we're gonna wing it. Yeah. All right, ready? Come on, Lynn. It's only your life. Do you want to play it now? Yeah. Are you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Where you going, me? About ninety feet. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. You watched yeah. it. You watched, I watched it. it. Oh, wonderful! About ninety feet. I love that one. That's a great, great uh, dialogue from that movie. It was, was Wesley good. Snipes, right? It was. Oh man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, you're taking us home today, so take us home. Well, we should probably introduce ourselves. Yeah, first. we should. Yeah. You should. You are. Knock. You are. Alcide <laughs> Ramini. <laughs> I am Colonel Packingham. <laughs> this is the no, Brackish Podcast. I'm Cliff. I'm yes. Lynn. Yes, yes. This is the Brackish, Brackish Podcast. Oh, uh, welcome. Oh, getting farted at going down Esplanade because oh that's where goodness. we do it. We do it right here, hanging out. No wings out. This time, Cliff put it away. Yeah. yeah. We do also have someone else in the wings today. Yeah, it's it's uh, Cliff's dog. You hear? Yeah, you hear? sorry about that. <laughs> She hates other people. Yes. I was talking about Mrs. Cliff. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yes, of course, Mrs. Cliff. I Mrs. Biff is here. <laughs> she also she hates also, us. Yeah. She hates them as well. Not a big deal. Oh, okay. okay. Right, right. Good. Well, see me, I can't, I can't just let you go. Shut up. Shut there up. is a lot of traffic today. Mm -hmm. I would think, uh, I think we can first start off with the jokes because. Did anybody else write any jokes? I wrote them, but they're not appropriate for me to say out loud. Oh, okay. I have a joke that my wife made. Uh, so I'm gonna, I told her I was gonna steal it because it's so good. I have some. But it has nothing to do with Packingham. So the jokes like we're it. talking about are from last episode where Knox told us three stories, one about a Sultan, one about Colonel Packingham, and one about a Nazi horse. Yes. And our homework was to write jokes. I wrote one. I can't say it on air. Well, uh -uh. that's a beauty part of editing is that we All right. can just take we'll it We'll bleep out the, yeah, but we got to record it. Okay, okay, all right. I was very, very drunk when I wrote it. All right, and well. I thought it was funny. It's probably not funny. All right, well, Cliff has a Sultan Pickled pack and ham and a Nazi walk into a bar. Pickled pack and oh, that's right. Yeah. It was pickled. I, yeah, it wasn't a pickled. It wasn't a pickled. Se, okay, that's fine. But um, but you got something. I do. I do. I'm looking it up. I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, so I'll tell you the joke that my wife told me that she made up. All right. What does a frog say when he or she is in the mood? I don't know. I don't know. Rub it. <laughs> rub it, rub it. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, honey. Thank you. That was such a great joke. <laughs> I can imagine Mrs. Knox doing that. Hoppity, hoppity, hop. Hippity, hopping around Go the house. catch me. I've walked into the Knox house before, and they're in onesie PJs. Oh, yeah. That was a fun night. Yeah. That, yeah. that was a super fun night. All right. So. Oh, you finally found some, it? I have some dumb ones. Okay. Give Just us, give go us with the it. dumb ones. All right. 
assaulting a Nazi in Packingham walking to a bar. And the Sultan bumps into Packingham and says, sorry, I did not see you there. (laughs) (laughs) They're all going to be like this. Um, (laughs) So assaulting a Nazi in Packingham walking to a bar. And the Sultan says to the general, hey, general, why don't they let you wear yoga pants? And he answers it. He says, because then they'd have to call you General Pack and Two Hams. <laughs> uh, I told you they were stupid. That's a good one, though. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> it did get much more laughs than rubbing. All right, so Sultan, a Nazi, and Packingham walk into a bar. And Packingham asks the Nazi, what's the best way to cook a schnitzel? And the Nazi says, well, first you have to get the oil Berlin. Oh. Berlin, Berlin, Berlin. Oh, God. I, I told you they were stupid. <laughs> uh, the so, oil Berlin. Yeah. I mean, isn't that how you yeah, burl that's anything? That's I good. Know. That's Berlin. good. People here burl their earl all the time. Well, yeah. I just, you know, Packingham's busy with war and you know, yeah. whatever. Anyway, so assaulting the Nazi and Packingham. <laughs> Walking to a bar, and the Nazi says, Hey, Sultan, what do you call a Vietnamese po' boy in Germany? The Sultan's like, I don't know. And he says, Auto bond me. <laughs> yes. Very good. Last one, last one. Okay, okay. Oh, there's gosh. So, <laughs> you're really good at these. Yeah, a Sultan and a Nazi, and packing him walking to a bar. And the Nazi asks the Sultan, what do you call a po' boy in your country? And the Sultan says, entertainment? Poor boy, entertainment. <laughs> we got oh. it, we got it. We got it. <laughs> like, he's dancing. He's yeah. a dancing boy. Yeah. I love uh, the work that went into that. That was so good. It was man. a lot. I woke up one morning and five of these <laughs> popped into my head when I woke up in the morning. I don't, And then I forgot them and I went to work and I was trying to, throughout the day, trying to recollect them. <laughs> All right, we're ready for story time, guys. Story time. The story we're going to talk about today are the first wives of New Orleans. Oh, okay. And we'll title this episode, Hookers, Vampires, and Petticoat Rebels. Oh. You got a song for that one? No. I <laughs> no. wish I would have seen. If Lynn would have brought papers and I would have seen that title, I could have made a song up. But I didn't know what it was. Well, I, I feel like that's your next week's assignment as far as the jokes go. Good. You got hookers, vampires, and petticoat rebels. Oh, man. Right. Can they walk into somewhere else besides a bar? Like a different I mean, place? they're in yeah. New Orleans, so there's really nothing other True. than yeah, a bar. Walking or down a the church. St- they could walk into a church. A bourbon street. Yeah, walking we'll figure it out. Street. We'll all do right, it. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing about the first wives of New Orleans. They were, in fact, all three. They were hookers. They were vampires, and they were also petticoat rebels. So we're going to take um, time to look at all three angles. What we're going to start with first is we'll talk about the lore. And it's really the story that people want to hear when they come to New Orleans. Uh, a lot of people don't always connect the dots that the characters we hear about in our lore and our legend were at one point at least some sort of real person and how that's kind of accumulated to create New Orleans culture. And later on in the show, we'll talk about how all of these women, the hookers, the vampires, and the petticoat rebels have all contributed to what we now call Creole culture and cuisine. Cool. Yeah. This is interesting. So the first thing we'll do 
as we'll have fun with the story everyone really wants to hear. Yeah. We'll talk about the lore. Okay. We'll talk about the vampires. Ooh. Now, vampires are not a New Orleans creation. They come from Europe. Their legend runs long and vampires take many different forms. You have some vampires that drink blood to survive. Some vampires that are psychic vampires that will drain the energy from your body without leaving a mark on you. So vampires have been around for a long time. But if we're talking about New Orleans vampires, we have to go back to France, the beginning of the 1700s. King Louis the 14th is the king right now. He takes being a king very seriously and whatever is good for France is good for him. That's what he goes by. This is when France was really starting to stretch their colonizing fingers all over the world. Whenever you stretch your colonizing fingers all over the world without the internet, weird rumors get back home. So you're kind of playing telephone at that point. So a lot of our legend and lore about New Orleans vampires comes from letters written back home, usually from young women who may or may not miss home and may or may not have left home for particular reasons. So they rode them from New Orleans back to France? Sometimes still on the boat. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But the legend and the lore of the first wives of New Orleans starts at the beginning of the 1700s when King Louis starts to recruit, and we'll say recruit in quotation marks, recruit young women to go live in the brand new French colony, still to be named Nouveau-Orléans. Okay. So he, he was a pound. Yeah. Vaguely. Come hang out with me and I'll send you to this great place. Right. I need 10%. So sex trafficking. Mildly. Okay. Church sanctioned. Okay. Okay. Right. Imagine Paris, 1702. Ooh. Streets of Paris. La la. Crowded city. Dangerous streets for a young woman. Croque monsieur. Oh. Oh, croque monsieur. <laughs> Fact check. There she goes. Street, streets of Paris are not quite safe for young women at this point in history. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of marauding. There's a lot of transient population. And if you're a young woman in Paris looking for a way out, colonies were a good way hope. out. Like, good hope. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So just imagine you are 16 years old. Your name is Marie. Because why wouldn't it be? Right. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Mm -hmm. You are 16 years old. You're staying at one of the many church-sanctioned orphanages. Sometimes they're dormitories and orphanages. Sometimes they're asylums and orphanages. Mm -hmm. One day, the king's men shows up at your particular orphanage and says, we have an opportunity for you. What the king and the church wanted is for the church to provide young women who are, quote, moral and pure. Flash forward to modern days, Young virgins. Okay, okay. That's what they were looking for. Now they were specifically looking for this type of young woman because they were looking to settle these colonies in New Orleans and in French Canada where maybe you had a population of young men who were also looking for a start over, think sailors and soldiers, sometimes criminals and rebels, who um, once they're on the other side of the world, away from mama and daddy and most of the Catholic church, don't really have a reason to behave or stay put. To solve that problem and to make sure that New Orleans would be a thriving colony, the first thing the French decided to do was make some Catholic babies. Okay. Okay. With these young women. With these hopefully pure, chaste, moral Catholic young women. As a young woman, if you're part of an orphanage, you don't really have much say. Before you know it, the nuns have you packed up. You're whisked away at dawn to a boat and you set sail for the New World without much... Um, 
say and where you're gonna end up. Once you're on the boat, let's say you end up under the care of a nun whose only job for six weeks to three months is to make sure that you stay alive long enough to get to New Orleans and that you are not deflowered by the sailors on said ship. One of the nuns that was most famous for these voyages was a sister named Sister Gertrude. This woman did not play. Okay. Oh, I picture her as the head woman in Handmaid's Tale, the one the head of the handmaids. You ever seen that? You can picture oh, her like, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Aunt, yes, Lydia. Aunt Lydia. Oh, yeah. Either Aunt Lydia or the Game of Thrones shame lady. Yeah. Something along those lines. I feel like this is how our movie about nun assassins begins. <gasps> Oh. You know, like they've been sent over. So oh, this is the right. same group of nuns, the Ursulines nuns. Oh. Now, for most of the beginning, or for the beginning of the 17th century, there is no nunnery in New Orleans. It was just the job of these nuns to transport and then marry them off. And Sister Gertrude took herself very seriously. The girls were not allowed to go above deck. She kept them under lock and key. And these are girls who, some of them are very sweet, very pure girls. Some of them are prostitutes. Maybe King Louis might have shut down some brothels in France and exiled these women because they were spreading VD too quickly. Oh, too quickly. VD boats, gross. You also have criminals. You have some girls who are held captive in the insane asylums. It's a pretty motley crew. Yeah. So yeah, the voyage from France to New Orleans took between six weeks and three months, depending on what time of year you left. But the girls we're talking about are most commonly known as the casquette girls. These are girls who notoriously came to France with small wooden chests that may or may not have held valuables or a dowry or maybe... Condoms. No, they were... What? No. Chastity belt. Ooh, vampires. Vampires. Now the vampire legend was something that would be whispered about on boats as they went to and from France and New Orleans. And what the sailors would whisper were things about how these girls would get on the boat looking healthy, but as time went on on the voyage, they began to look more and more sickly. They would start to lose weight, their skin would be sallow, their cheeks and eyes would sink in. Not just physically, but mentally, spiritually, the girls would kind of vanish before their eyes. So it was often whispered about that these voyages needed to be done quickly so the sailors themselves wouldn't fall to vampirism either. Was it, I'm just, was it VD that was doing this to him? I'm just asking a question. Maybe it's just that being on a boat for a month sucks. Yeah. The answer is all of the above. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. the vampires, they just mistook they were mistaken. They called them vampires, but really it was just the venereal disease. And they were like, oh, what is this sorcery? Well, vampires were a metaphor for a lot of different things all throughout medieval times. A vampire was blamed for all sorts of things like consumption and tuberculosis or a child dying or a child turning out evil. Your kid turned out evil. It's because- um, The vampires? Vampires. Damn. Yeah. Dang, that's a lot. I mean, right. hell of an excuse. Well, this is also at the height of colonization where humans had traveled further than they had in history, but they hadn't figured out what caused scurvy. Scurvy. You need fresh fruit to prevent scurvy. Which vampires. Would, vampires. Yeah, vampires cause yeah. that stuff. Now, Sister Gertrude, <laughs> Sister Gertrude had a reputation, like I said, one part of her reputation amongst the sailors is that her casket 
which is a mistranslation in the English language. It was a cassette, which was a fancy box to put your stuff in. Once they got to New Orleans, they started to call them casquettes. And eventually casquette went from meaning fancy box to put valuables in to coffin. Okay. I, was gonna, at, I was fixing it. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. this time, Sister Gertrude's cassette was usually heavier than everyone else's. And it usually didn't get any lighter as the voyage went on, meaning she wasn't using any of the valuables or food that would have been in said cassette. So her condoms, she was not using her condoms. Well, what the sailors were saying, <laughs> what, the, what the girls would whisper about as well is that Sister Gertrude was so much of a monster herself that they thought that the church put her in charge of a completely separate monster or creature, maybe a vampire. And she was charged with disposing of this creature once they were overseas. Ooh, I like that. I like yeah. that theory, that's good. Another theory about Sister Gertrude is that she could transform herself into a cat. What? A small black cat was seen on the boat carrying the cassette girls that had not been noticed before. And we all know black cats mean different things. Right. They mean bad luck and danger, it means evil about. And so they were assuming that Sister Gertrude could turn herself into a cat, catch the rats on the boat, and feed it to the vampire that was stored away in her cassette. Wow. I guess when you're on a boat that long, I mean, whatever makes you get by, you know? All right, Making up stories. Is that that black cat again? That's like that old Gertrude lady. Where's Gertrude, huh? There's a black cat rolling around. Where's she at? Gertrude is always standing behind you. Ooh. Always. <laughs> they both just turned around. Jeez. Don't scare me like that. If there had been a woman behind me, I'd have freaked out. <laughs> just staring Gertrude? at her. Gertie? <laughs> Gertie. <laughs> sorry, sorry, crotch rocket. Are you apologizing to the crotch rocket? No, to the crowd. Oh, the for crowd. a crotch rocket. Gotcha. Yes. All right, so this voyage was not very easy. Um, eventually, these girls landed in Mobile Bay first, okay. where most of the boats would land first. Because if you don't know this about New Orleans, it is not at the mouth of the Mississippi River. Uh, you have to go in through Lake Pontchartrain. You have to walk across a portage to get to where the French Quarter is. It's a pain in the ass to get to by wooden boat. So people would land in Mobile Bay and then make their way over to New Orleans. This is in the summer in New Orleans when these girls are in their best dresses. They're walking from Mobile. They might be in a boat from Mobile all the way to Louisiana. Their health is not exactly going to improve. I know, think of like what Interstate 10 looked like back then. <laughs> yes. It looked like Just mosquito. Looked like the Walking Dead Horde. Yeah. Just <laughs> A, it wasn't there, and B, it was probably just carriages. Yes. It was a road, it was a dirt road. <laughs> it was actually not a, it was a portage, this natural embankment that the rivers would build up. If you didn't have a Native American guide, you were lost. And no matter what you did, Mobile Bay Bridge was still backed up. It's crazy. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so when these women first arrived, the cassette girls or the casquette girls, um, there's a lot of lore and legend around it that says they lived in the Ursuline's convent in the third floor where their coffins were stored. It's not exactly historically accurate. The girls arrived before the Ursuline's convent was actually built. So instead they were just kind of walk to a big house. Now this walk or procession was incredibly unusual as well. 
Uh, normally, traditionally, the nuns and the girls would arrive in covered carriages to protect the virtue of these young women and to protect the nuns from being harassed as well. Oh, you know they're getting catcalled. Oh yeah, we totally, totally, totally. Well, I mean, at this time, remember New Orleans is a bunch of single men and yeah, sailors pirates. and pirates What's and smugglers, yeah. and they are drinking yeah. rum all day long. What's right? behind right. curtain number one, ladies? That Packingham rum. <laughs> yes. This is not um, this is not sipping rum either. This is Ugh. oops, this molasses turned to hooch. Yeah. Rum, right? So just imagine yourself as a Frenchman who's been away from home for several years now. You haven't had bread because wheat doesn't grow in Louisiana. You haven't had a good cheese because cows die in the bayous. They get stuck in the mud, they go move for help, and alligator says, yes, please, chomp. Oh, good for the alligators. Yeah. Right. You also haven't seen a French woman in a couple of years. Mm, merci. Mm. Now, these men were supposed to, as colonists, marry into the native population. Problem with that is that a lot of Native American women didn't want to give up their families and become Catholics. They didn't want to lose their migratory ways and live in one spot in Louisiana because that literally doesn't work unless you're a hard-headed Frenchman. It wasn't all like Pocahontas? It just... Oh, boo. Oh. Just around the river bend? No, 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 no. <laughs> I thought it was easy goings. You didn't have raccoon friends? Yeah. Uh, they ate the raccoons. No, no, they called them wildcats, and they definitely ate raccoon uh, for a long time. Disney has been screwing with my head for so long. Uh, well, Damn it, Walt. Well, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, everything's a utopia in Disney movies. So just imagine yourself as a Frenchman who's been home for a while. You miss your mama. You haven't had a good French onion soup or loaf of bread in a few years. And you oh. hear, <laughs> there's a boat of women coming in. Oh, okay. All right. Problem. VD. Exactly. France had been known to blatantly clear out the whorehouses, clear out the asylums, and send those wives as women. So the men's hopes weren't too high, except this time, the cassette girls were supposed to be different. They were supposed to be high caliber. They were supposed to be of a certain quality. They were supposed to look healthy ah, and alive. Gotcha. Gertrude comes off that boat. Gertrude comes off that boat. Releases her hand and out rolls just a bunch of contraceptives. Like, <laughs> let's go, dudes. I think that's the like opposite a of the video. Catholic Church, though. You keep saying concepts like, that they condone that, don't they? Or they like, don't condone it. They don't condone it. They don't condone it. Like Snoop Dogg. Hey, you said like, lifestyles since 1700. <laughs> no, so for, <laughs> for one reason. Who was in the lambskin market? Before There's no lambs down here. It was buffalo. It was buffalo skin? Gator skin, kind of. That <laughs> would be painful. Rib for Humphrey. <laughs> no. Like a gator's back. <laughs> <laughs> These dudes know what they were doing. They're like, we got a boat they full really? of hoes coming. Uh, Nasty VD. <laughs> I saw the, the first one came in a couple weeks ago. I saw that what happened with that. I know what's coming. Some of these bunch of VD. Ladies. They're probably like dudes like in the background drinking rum, like laughing at the dudes who are at the front line. <laughs> this dude's stupid. <laughs> I got my snakeskin in my pocket. <laughs> okay, we're done. So for whatever reason, Sister Gertrude. 
goes against um, tradition <laughs> and decides to parade these girls through the city as a spectacle. They are dressed as angels and they are marching in a line through the quarter until they arrive at the house they will stay at. Like costumes or just like dress, like nice dresses? Angels. History just says angels. angels? Right. I'm assuming white gowns. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Right. Frenchmen excited about this group of maybe refined ladies, which some of them were, some of them were court girls that were wooed with the idea that a proper husband is waiting for you in the new world, mm -hmm. and you'll be the beginning of the upper echelons of society. Mm. Mm, yeah, definitely. Mm. Definitely not. Oh, shoot. Those girls were greeted by a bunch of drunk, angry Frenchmen who were living in huts and houses. The French Quarter is a rectangle of houses in the middle of the bayou. There's not much left. And now they're stuck in a big old rickety house that is not livable within 10 years. During that procession, word began to spread again. These girls don't look right. These girls don't look well. Sailors are whispering, vampire, vampire. As the girls settle in and marry off, people notice that husband number one, husband number two, that guy over there, all of a sudden seemed to be wasting away the same way those girls were rumored to have wasted away on the ships. Their skin is sallow, their eyes start to sink in, they start to bleed from the mouth or the nose and cough up blood. And from then on, that legend was stamped into New Orleans history that the cassette girls were more likely than not vampires. Ooh. That's so their husbands got vampiristic too? Well, their husbands got something. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. the bite in the neck, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. it was, what, what was it? Was it? Biting the weenus. <laughs> well, Nasty. but let's talk about what this really is then. I don't know if this is going to play Clef out of the three summed it up. It's a bite in the weenus. Yeah. Fact check me. Yeah. yeah. Let's think about that legend and let's talk about the fact. Fact. Women needed to be here to establish the colony of New Orleans. Uh-huh. Fact two. Was that on the, that was by Louis? King so Louis, was, he wanted to send women here to... King Louis XIV was a kind of level-headed king where what was good for France was good for him. He died when his son was five. And that's when King Louis XV, the beloved... That's why he ain't got no street here. Louis the Fourteenth's got a street. Fifteenth well, ain't got no street. Louis the Fifteenth was here. responsible for the downfall of France. So he, oh. as much as the people loved him, he's not remembered very kindly because he was, um, yeah, he was very indecisive. We're gonna start a porta potty company called Louis the Fifteenth Potties. Why? Because he was the downfall of France. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the thing. If you've got, if you're gonna invest in colonies. You should invest in the women that go to those colonies very and true. settle things down. Uh, so he he didn't do that very well. He was sending straight up hookers who may or may not have been, been vampires. Mm. Yep. New Orleans wasn't a colony officially until 1718. There had been women shipped to the colonies for about 10 years before that, and they were not the classiest of broads, usually. When they arrived, they did tend to throw a bit of a tantrum. 
Most of them were promised husbands right away. Well, baby, if you got VD, like a lot of them did, you have to be cured before you can be married off. So there was contention there between the men and the women. Uh, a lot of women would get married right away and then break off that marriage. And now what are they supposed to do? Now they're not in the streets of Paris where they can make a lot of money as a hooker. They're in New Orleans where it's a much rougher crowd, a much more pirate crowd, and you have to be a little scrappier about yourself. Dang. Girl, how much? How much you asking? Three shillings. <laughs> I have no idea what Three money they use. I don't know. It wasn't a lot of money being traded. It was a lot of, um, we'll call it goods and services for trade. So the Catholic Church controlled French product pretty tightly. Usually the ship was supposed to come in with a good measure of flour and butter and wine and ammunition and guns and things that the colony would need. Sometimes King Louis was too busy partying with his ladies, so you just got ammunition and guns. So they would have to trade with the natives for food. And that was really the issue with most of these women. It wasn't just that these French men are shitheads and they're drunk on rum all the time. It wasn't just that it was hot and humid and mosquito ridden around here. It was also that there is no effing wine. The hell is wrong with these people. It was also, there's no bread, there's no cheese, there's no butter. All there is is wildcat, which we already established was raccoon. Uh, and Native American or African kind of products. Okay. And uh, through all of that unhappiness about things like eating corn mush and meal every day is what resulted in what is now called the Petticoat Rebellion. These wives, these former wives, these divorcees from France congregated in 1718, marched up to Governor Iberville's house and started banging on their pots with their wooden spoons, demanding he get his ass out of bed and do something about this mess. I'm not eating corn again. If you make me eat corn again, I'm gonna get on that boat and go home. And then what kind of colony do you have, Iberville? Mm. Now listen here now, you get off my property now. <laughs> that is the opposite of what he did. <laughs> What he did was what a lot of husbands would do. He ran with his tail tucked inside, woke up his wife and said, baby, there's some pissed off women in the front yard and I don't know what to do, help. You and his wife to help me out. So they conferred about this. With the wife. With the wife. Ended up sending, depending on who you ask, his mother's cousin, his sister's friend, his wife's second cousin. We all know that her name was Madame Langlois. She was in some way related to the Iberville family. She ran the house for the governor and was sent to live with the Chittimacha tribe of Native Americans for about two months. There she learned how to dry corn and grind it to make something called uh, cornbread. Ooh, okay. Right. So trying to meet Speaking in the middle. language. Right. Which is what I would have had for you guys today. I did promise you food you last did. episode. What the hell? I told you I had two restaurants to go to because one wouldn't serve us. Instead, she just comes over here and, and mooches Food, a glass. Foodless. She she takes. There's no giving this. <laughs> so she learned how to do things like treat corn in the first place. A lot of corn that Americans see has been modified, treated. It's food when we get it at the grocery store. But real corn, you, you have steps to take. 
It has to be boiled, sometimes with lye, to turn into something that's relatively easy for humans to digest. So it's a process she had to learn, and then how to grind it into cornmeal to make cornbread or to use rice flour instead. Um, they learned how to use things like sassafras, which the French called filet, to thicken up their soups and stews since there was no flour to thicken things up with. Uh, they learned how to... So she was teaching. She learned from the Native Americans first how to do things like um, field dress a squirrel, stuff it with things, these little delicacies called a pecan that the French latched onto because it's very much like a walnut. So she learned the food ways of Native American culture, brought it back to the French Quarter, and held the first known cooking classes on the North American continent. I was going to say that this is the first instance of a home economics class. May we? No, I mean, the nuns would do that. But that's the thing is that through all the lore and legend, it gets mixed up when the nuns actually settled in New Orleans. Once the nuns, the Ursuline nuns got to New Orleans in I think 1725, it was their job to educate women. Well, it was their so. job to take care of the sick. It was their job to teach these women how to live in Louisiana. But before then, it was very much you make do with yourself yeah, and, I mean, and your skills. Just, oh. All you did was transport hookers. So is this where right. like gumbo comes from and all that stuff? It is. So we get gumbo from two places. We get gumbo from West Africa, which the French and Spanish brought in people from West Africa and the Caribbean islands. And they brought with them a quingomba stew. And quingomba is an okra stew. It's made very similarly to like a French onion soup process. You would, instead of fine slicing onions, you mash okra in a mortar and pestle until it looks like a big ball a snot then you let it cook down over the embers like onions for a french onion soup until all the water's cooked down all the slime cooks off and you let everything char on the bottom of the pot so we get the name gumbo from king gomba and we get the dark almost burnt flour roux from imitating that okra base the other place we get gumbo from is from what the native americans called sassafras which is combo they called dry ground sassafras leaves combo, and they would have used it as medicine first. You would take an equal amount of dried sassafras or filet and mix it with an equal amount of boiling water, put that together, and you get something like a Nickelodeon slime. Dense, goopy coagulant that they would spread into wounds that couldn't heal themselves, and the coagulating properties would like coagulate your blood and seal the wound. It's antiseptic. Ooh -hoo. If you put that same dried powder in a boiling pot of soup, it also coagulates. But because it's in so much liquid, instead of an equal amount, all these little powders coagulate into threads. And your pot of soup that you just needed some thickness to to make these Catholic babies feel like they had a good meal, it looks like a dirty aquarium. You have these slimy fish poop threads or filets in French floating around the pot and scum on top. Yet yeah, not the most appetizing thing. That's why, if you don't know better, you're supposed to add filet to your own bowl of gumbo. You're not supposed to add it to the whole pot because it can make it look like a dirty fish tank. Okay, yep. don't do that. So if you scrape your leg, make some gumbo, yeah, and put it right on. Put the gumbo on your put scrape. Put the gumbo in your wound. Oh, so I had a lady do that to me before. Woo! Mix a, it in with a sausage. A lady I used to work with. <laughs> uh, and Creole seasoning, just to add it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll feel good now. 
<laughs> Why is your Louisiana accent Colonel I, Sanders? Because it just is. Because you, I, know you, said, how the, you said the governor. I'm thinking no. the governor's out on this. And he's like, Foghorn, now y'all need to like, get off my lawn. But first, which two of y'all can cook and don't have VD? <laughs> two of the fifty of you. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, that's really the beginning. Girl, of you a lie. You know you got it. <laughs> <laughs> I see it in your eyes, girl. <laughs> you vampiristic looking, yeah. That's really what we get Creole cooking from. Uh, Miss Langlois, Madame Langlois is known as the That's mother cool. of Creole, Creole cuisine, which is really just French sensibilities using Native American or African produce. This also included the Germans that you guys talked about a few episodes ago along the German coast. They were brought in at the same time as these women to help really solidify the colony. Well, where New Orleans is, is really, you have a mile of dry ground from the river out. That's why Rampart is the end of the proper French Quarter. And then the next dry ground you had was a mile extending from the bottom of Lake Pontchartrain. You could have a small garden, but you didn't have produce to sell. Most of what you could buy in the French Quarter for a long time was either hunted by Native Americans, by trappers, or by slaves and Louisiana was one of the only places where slaves were actually given guns by their masters to go hunting. Otherwise everyone was gonna starve. Whoa. So there was a lot That's of cool. game. There was a lot of corn. That's about it until the German farmers were brought in to live on the German coast and actually farm proper. So a lot of what Louisiana cooking is, again, it's that French sensibility using everybody else's good shit. Nice. Andouille sausage that we eat down here is a German smoke kielbasa that the French slapped a name onto. Ah. Yeah. Sons of bitches. Yeah. So these are the three? The hookers? The hookers, the vampires, the petticoat rebels. The petticoat rebels. And they yeah. made sure that they knew how to cook because they yeah. were fucking starving. Everybody was starving. You know, I didn't even think that it makes so much more sense. Like they, they didn't know what to do, so they got the Native Americans to hunt for them, and then they did they pay them to for the meat. So here's the thing: the Chittimacha were in charge of a land called Bulbancha for almost two thousand years, and Bulbancha went from the middle of Louisiana all the way to Mobile Bay, and it was a crossroads and trading route for forty different tribes from Caribbean, Central America and the Gulf Coast. So the Chittimacha were master businessmen at the time, but it was really a place for business and commerce, not in the European sense with gigantic business sectors necessarily. If you visit the French Quarter and you go to the French market, the French market is the bottom right corner of the quarter, just to the right of the French market where the old U.S. Mint is now, was the, one of the largest Native American fort sites in the Gulf South. That's where the French were brought in when they came to Louisiana. They landed on a bayou that they insist is called Bayou Mardi Gras because they insist that they landed on Mardi Gras Day. But the French are storytellers, so who knows? You know, who knows? So, so this place, it was called what? Bom Bulbancha. Bulbancha. Yeah. I'd much rather that than Louisiana. Oh, Let's have a poll question. Yeah. Would you rather say you're from Bulbancha or Louisiana? Well, there's Native American tribes who are really petitioning to reclaim the land. And there are people who write now? that currently. Yep. Yeah. 
Whoa. There are people who will write that as their address on mail. What? They don't Bobancha. live in New Orleans. They live in Bobancha well, that because that's the name of this place. The United States Postal Service can't even send letters to my house with the correct address. <laughs> so if you put Bobancha on it, they're going to wipe it with their own ass. <laughs> and you'll never get the letter. That's I mean. What you're telling us is that you're griping about the mail? Yes. You old fucking man. Yeah. <laughs> Balboncha, bitches. Balboncha, uh, <laughs> bitches. Balboncha. Balboncha. Bul you people who can't pronounce Bell -boncha. anything correctly. Balboncha. John Balboncha. John Joe. John Balboncha. The names they mispronounce. All right, so give it to me one more time. Bullboncha. Bullboncha. There we go. Bullboncha. It's actually in Chittimacha. Like a it means shit. land. Of, <laughs> it means land of many tongues. Oh, okay. Which is which is why the French did so well here because the Chittimacha were a welcoming tribe. If you have had etouffee, you have eaten a version of a, the dish that the French were served as a welcoming meal. Ooh. It would have been onions treated the same way as the okra from gumbo, mashed up, cooked down till they're charred. Yeah. Smothered in crawfish fat. You throw the tails and some garlic chives in there. Boom, boom, boom. That's it. That's all so etouffee was. Was uh, the lady who learned about making gumbo. Madame Langlois. Madame Langlois. Did she also learn about crawfish? Yes. Oh, yeah, wow. she learned about. Now, see, crawfish have actually <laughs> been eaten all over the world for thousands of years. But crawfish went the way of the lobster where it was seen as poor people's food because they were bottom feeders. Lobster, crawfish, oysters, clams, mussels. Mm -hmm. um, not transient people, migratory people can survive off of those crops because they arrive in such abundance that you can travel from place to place and live very, very well. That's another reason those women looked so sick to the colonists because they were looking at Native American women who had an incredible uh, diet. The Native yeah. Americans here knew how to live. Not only did they know how to find game and seafood, but they had this, this planting process called the Three Sisters. They would plant a, uh, a stalk of corn in the ground on a mound. So the corn stalk grows straight up. Around the base of that corn stalk, they would plant two other crops, beans and squash. The bean would trellis up the corn stalk and grow really well. The stalk and the bean would shade the squash at the bottom. Between the starch and the corn, the protein of the bean and the nutrition of the squash, the Native Americans here were some of the healthiest people on planet Earth. Girl, you gonna like you keep eating that cornbread. Yeah. Look, I'm gonna say red beans and rice didn't miss her. So to see these like, literally starving, tuberculosis ridden, consumption ridden, scurvied up, little pale French girls. In comparison yeah. to these luscious Native American women, they did look sickly and pale and oh my God, what's wrong with them? Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. I make a really good gumbo, but it ain't gonna cure that VD. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you need it. You uh, according to Ms. Leah Chase, a bowl of gumbo can cure anything. Oh, it can't cure VD. I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I Leah. Argue with Leah Chase. Yeah, no, so God hard. bless her. Well, if anyone who ha out there who has VD, please let us know. Eat a bowl of gumbo yeah. and let us know. They haven't had my bowl of gumbo. 
Oh, oh well. Or Lin- eat Lin's bowl. Lin- so yeah. Yeah. No, I put chicken feet. <laughs> Ooh, penicillin if, gumbo. If I'm going to make a gumbo like my great-grandmother did, she used just onions. She didn't use flour. She didn't use okra. She would start with a whole pot of onions and cook it down all day until it was charred and stuck to the bottom of the pot. And I then the stock onions. was made from chicken back and chicken foot. And the stock you get from chicken back and feet is like chicken jello. It's so thick and full of all that good for you. That could probably at least. That'll cure something. That'll cure something. Right? Yeah. Ain't VD, though. <laughs> Shit. You stand on this VD? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Syphilis. I don't mess around with that. Yeah. Yeah. So is this it? I guess so. All right. Well, take us home. By what? the way, I want to tell you, we have some stickers coming. Oh, okay. 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 Where can you find us if not for stickers? You can find us on stickers around the city from our fans, not from us. You can find us on the Brackish Podcast at gmail.com. Send us some stuff. Send us stories. Also, the underscore Brackish underscore podcast at Instagram. Brackish Podcast Facebook page. We are on Apple, Spotify, radio.com. Am I missing another? Google Play. Google Play. That's it. I don't, I'm not a droider. I'm not a droider either. No, so I'm any droid fans? You're a Googler? Google Play all day. Okay. That's I'm good. at Roots and Bulb. At on Roots and Instagram. Bulb. Yeah, this woman knows a lot about cooking. Yeah. Uh, Lynn is uh, one of the best chefs in the city, teaching people what to do at Crescent City Cooks. If you uh, want to go check her out, she's yeah. always there. No VD. No. None. Though, our BD building free. is a former strip club. Oh, girls, so you may get, girls, Molly Yeah, girl. you may get VD on some onions, no, but not from the Lynn. worst you'll get is a little glitter that's still stuck to the ceiling. Oh, ooh, how'd it get stuck to the ceiling? Glitter ooh, don't lie. Ooh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, where they cook is actually the VIP room. Yeah, so that's where you might get some stuff in there you, you don't want. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Is, was it just- I don't know why there's a recliner in there. It's weird. She told us about it. Not Y'all, a big someone deal. asked me the other day why there's so many foot massage parlors in the French Quarter. <laughs> and you told them because a lot of. I said that ain't all they're doing. That uh, yeah. <laughs> is my only answer. Yes. But uh, that's why the police, the police don't want to shut down the strip clubs. They're not even like looking at the massage parlors, right? No. I don't know. That's it's a good obvious. question. Oh, did I tell you how? So a police officer cannot have sex with someone, right? So what they do? Like a priest? No, I mean, so they can't charge someone with like, hey, prostitution, right? So they've got to make them get themselves off, and that's prostitution. Wait, wait, yes. wait, wait, wait! Explain that. Yeah. So if the if the if the girl gets herself off. Then that's with the process. guy, with the or watch not, it. not guy, just watch it. Say, woman, man, whatever. So watching he, the other the person. officer can't get anything. The out officer of it. cannot get anything. So if out he's other watching, watching, he, her, yes. they, whoever. Yes. They've got to say, oh yeah, you do that first, and then we'll do it, and then they can get them. Yeah, I'll pay you sixty bucks. Whoa. To get off, and then that's how they get them. That's Charged like with prostitution. Like, that's entrapment. That's what they do, though. That's what they do. <laughs> But yes, this has been the Braggish Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Knock. Cliff. Lynn. Lynn, that was fantastic.
Hookers, vampires, vampires and petticoat and rebels. A hooker, rebels. a vampire, and someone wearing a petticoat walking to a bar. Or walking down. Or Stay walking on Esplanade. For Cliff's jokes next week. Yeah. Yes, good. Thanks. See you later. Bye. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs>